You're listening to the Paranormal Peeps on the Darkcast Network. Come to the dark side of indie podcasts with the Darkcast Network. We have cookies. Between the realm of the dead and the journeys of the living, join Josh, Jamie, and Elisa as they delve into the vast world of the paranormal and breathe life back into the history of the departed. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Paranormal Peeps podcast. We have a really good show today that we're going to talk about. But first, we want to talk about things that we have going on in October. Yes. What do we have going on in October, Josh? We have stuff going on in October. (laughs) Is it my turn to talk now? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you guys haven't noticed, Elisa's back. Yay! But yeah, we have a public investigation on... Friday the 13th. In October. Which is going to be so awesome. What better day? There, Seriously. Yeah. There needs to be a Friday the 13th in every October. I know. I agree. Can we just pin it to the calendar? Like, <laughs> Sure. Even if it isn't Friday the 13th, we'll yeah. just say it is. We'll yeah. just say it is. You might, you might have Thursday the 13th, then Friday the 13th. It works. See, yeah. that just needs to have its own holiday. I know. I agree with that, too. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but we do have uh, tickets on sale and we will post the link on all of our social media platforms. Yes. And and, it, and you can search it on Eventbrite. Yes. Tickets are through Eventbrite. It's just $20, right? Correct. It's just $20 to come. Uh, come in costume. Uh, dress for the weather, of course. Good shoes and everything. If, you're, if your costume has like a cape and stuff or hinders your vision, um, make sure you bring something you can wear when you investigate, because we want you to be able to see. (laughs) And not trip downstairs. (laughs) And not trip downstairs. So make sure that, yeah. And it's a party, guys. It's a party. Like last year was the first time we did it. And it was so fun. We had an amazing turnout. And it was like, everybody was so excited about it, because it was just... It was different. It was so different, but it was so fun, like in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. We had music when, when like people disco showed up. lights like oh yeah. yeah we had the whole shebang it was so fun yeah we have the terror dogs from ghostbusters we have the movie props uh their movie quality that you can do like pictures with yep yep we have picture opportunities there uh we will have hot cocoa hot cider bottled water some snacks maybe some vendors yes we have lavinia's eden coming for the second year um she does uh like crystals and stones and uh, she does wraps. Oh, yeah. Beautiful work. Mm-hmm. She uh, has loose leaf teas, among so many other things. And her work is amazing. And she's guys. really good price, too. Yes. She's got really good prices. So Some of the best I've ever seen, honestly. Bring your monies. And I will also hopefully be vending there. And I'm going to sell like specialty cookies. Like, you know, just, well, they're like sugar. Co- they're sugar cookies, but they're like ghost sugar cookies decorated. Oh, and they're um, super cute. Yeah, they're adorable. I'm going to be selling homemade caramels and, I mean, apple zucchini, honey carrot bread, and... And butter beer fudge. Butter beer fudge, guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so bring your monies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, come and have fun. Uh, if you guys have, don't know, it's at Benson Grist Mill, which is a great place in Stansbury Park. Mm-hmm. We've uh, we've talked about it a, on a couple different episodes yeah. of our podcast. Yeah. But it has 16 buildings. Yes. There's plenty of space for everyone. Absolutely. And, you know, the investigation will be, I mean, we had an amazing time last year. And at the top of every hour, we do a demonstration somewhere um, at Benson Grist Mill in one of the buildings. And that's everything from like the Estes method, uh, rods, uh, 
portal. Uh, what else? That's what we did last time. Yeah, that's what we did. And then um, you generally have free roam. Yeah. So it's not like it's a scheduled, everybody has to be at a certain spot at a that's certain right. time, or even if things are good, you have to rotate. Like there's none of that. There's you none of that. do your own investigating. Yeah. And we're there to help if you have any questions or, or anything. Or if you want us to go with you, yeah. then we're there. Yep. We're there. So, exactly. Yeah. So check it out. Get your tickets now. We're about halfway sold out. So yeah, it's going to be a fun time, guys. Yeah. Come join us. So what are we talking about today, Elisa? Today, we are talking about hospice nurses and patients and talking about how they have experiences with a thing called visioning. So visioning is where um, a patient is on their deathbed and or fairly close to, and they start seeing their loved ones that are passed away or friends their pets, anything like that, where it's like, hey, um, we're here and we're going to get you mentally prepared to Mm -hmm. pass away. So visioning is something that will always bring comfort. It will always be something that calms you and warms you. Um, If it's something other than that, something that distresses you or confuses you, um, angers you or scares you, it's not visioning. That's not what that is. It's generally like a hallucination yeah, or from like your medications or, you know, whatever. Because most people are pretty heavily medicated medicated at this point in time. Yeah. Well, actually, a lot of the time they're not. Because this generally starts, um, so they say when you have, when you're having, you're starting this visioning, um, it's pretty good to calculate about a month out is when you're going to pass away. So it generally starts about a month before you pass. So it gives, so they're able to give the family time to prepare prepare, emotionally uh and then come in and say their goodbyes and all those things. Right. Um, But a lot of the time, these people are well, and this is like when you're on hospice when you're at your house, right? This, yeah, that's where a lot of my stories come from. Is these people are in their homes and they're not super heavily medicated, um, and they a lot of people will say, um, "Well, that's because their oxygen is low, or they're heavily medicated, or um, a couple of other different things." Right? Their kidneys are shutting down because that can cause apparently can cause hallucinations. Oh wow! Um, but with these stories, um, they're like, no, their oxygen is up. They're totally at 100% oxygen. They are completely lucid and there's no uh, medication that is causing this that they're on. And they have been on this medication for a while and nothing has ever happened until at mm-hmm. this point. Um, but when it does, it's generally when you're actively dying. So when you're in the stage of actively, actively, actively dying, um, the patients are lucid. They're not low on oxygen, right? And they're just being prepared for their death. So actively dying is the very, very last phase of your life. It's usually a few hours to a few days before they pass. And actively dying is they become fully unconscious. They are not eating or drinking. They'll have changes in their breathing pattern, skin color. They'll have a fever. Um, their mouth or their eyes will be open and they'll have like the death rattle, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Gurgle, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what's cool is that they have found that religion does not seem to play any part in whether you have these visions or not. So visioning generally starts, like I said, a month before. 
and is able to give the family enough time to prepare. So that's what visioning is and end of life, stuff like that to kind of give you an idea on what this visioning is. Yeah, wow. I've, I've seen it re- referenced as NDV or near-death visions. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually, technically speaking, there's a scientific term out there for it. Wow. Yeah. So I know a lot of people are like, well, doctors say that it's from this and this and this. And actuality is, is it's, there are no, there's no proof yeah. to say where this comes from. Right. They don't know how this happens. They don't know. They any, just speculate. There is speculation, but yeah. there's no actual proof of why. Right. Which brings it into the realm of the paranormal because we can't explain scientifically why there's ghosts. No. No. So it's like, yeah, it's just in that realm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off. Who wants to be the first one to give a story? Go for it, Josh. Oh, boy. All right. (laughs) He's like, I wasn't prepared. (laughs) I wasn't prepared. Oh, wait, it's right here in front of me. Look at that. (laughs) Amazing how that works. (laughs) I know. All right. So I have, I got actually a, uh, a couple posts off of Reddit is okay. what I found. So this is from Joe versus everything. And it's off a Reddit thread. It was called, do the dying always see ghosts of loved ones before they pass away? So right in long line with this. So she said, my grandmother passed in May of 2018. She was in home hospice care with me, my mom, and two of my aunts taking turns to stay with her at night. It was my turn to stay. My grandmother preferred to just stay in her favorite chair in the living room to sleep. And I was on the pull-out sofa in the adjoining smaller sitting room. I couldn't sleep well because I wanted to be able to hear my grandmother if she called out for me. I didn't hear her call me. But I did hear her and a couple other voices talking. I got up to check on her, on her and she's sitting there with both eyes open. Albeit she was completely blind at this stage and very alert. I asked her if she was okay. She said, who are all these people in here with me? It sounds like my mother and daddy, but I can't, but it can't be them. I heard the voices too. So yes, I believe that the dying are visited by dead loved ones with one foot in the world of the living and one foot in the world of the dead. That's so cool that that's, they actually heard it. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. So she actually like heard we, it too. Was she yeah. dying too and she just didn't know it? Oh, gosh. Ooh. She's I got a month left. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a whole, this, hopefully that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> that's really cool, though. Yeah, that was a really neat I mean, one. you know, that she heard them too. Yeah, which now you have a, a backed up claim, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. just one. Well, and that's kind of what's cool about the whole hospice thing is with all the research that I've done, a lot of, not a lot of the hospice nurses, but there are hospice nurses that, you know, are struggling with their religion or if they believe in life after death and some people don't believe in it, you know, and when they go into hospice and they start having all these patients seeing their family members and telling them stories and all of this that's going on around them, they're like, that's too many coincidences. Yeah. Yeah. And they start believing. I'm not saying that everyone, you know, but the ones that I have found, they all believe in life after death now because of all of this visioning that they have heard of. Wow. It can't be coincidence. Not Not that much. No. No, When there's that many. Yeah. Yeah. We're not talking a little, right? It's like we talked with Pollyanna, if you remember. Yeah. And she was, uh, she's been a nurse for years, but Mm -hmm. she did, she's been there with people when many, many people have passed away. Yeah. And she's like, and you can see it on their faces. Yeah. 
that they're having experiences. And she's, she's told one story where there was, where there was a guy that was dying and he's like, who's that behind you? Mm -hmm. And she was looking, he was looking right at her and there was nobody there. And then he, he was gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's amazing. Yeah. It would, I think it would spook you a little bit at first. Yeah. It's going to be terrifying. Yeah. And then, and then I'm sure it becomes a part of the norm over the years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I did a lot of research too with, um, more like YouTube and Facebook like that. Um, but there is actually this lady that I follow and on YouTube and her name is hospice nurse, Julie. So if you want to look her up, she talks all about, um, the end of life stages and she has some of these paranormal experiences that she shares. So I'm going to share one with you. Okay. So she was helping one of her patients that was getting ready to pass to the next life. And the patient she was particularly close with and still considers him her favorite patient. She struggled in life or he struggled in life and didn't feel very free because of his sufferings. She went to go visit him and he was actively dying. So, which I was telling you guys about before, which means he is most likely passing anywhere within the next day or so, few days or so. She said her goodbyes and went to her car to leave and was just praying and hoping that he would have like a wonderful and peaceful death because she had been with him for a while. And then suddenly she heard a voice in her head, which she says was the only time that this has ever happened. She had this overwhelming feeling of peace and joy more than she'd ever experienced could ever express. And she could hear him saying, I can't believe it, Julie. I can't believe it, Julie. It's more beautiful than I could ever imagine. I couldn't imagine how good this is. Then Julie felt that this was him coming to her and he was so overjoyed with the freedom that he had and the beauty of it as he was crossing over and he wanted to share that with her. So then right after the the nurse um, was in, inside, called her and said that he had just passed away. Now she's still in the driveway. Oh, wow. So he had just passed away and she said she already knew because he had already told her. Oh my gosh. That's cool. I mean, sad that he passed, but we all have our time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what a cool experience. Yeah. That he's letting her know I'm okay. It's better than I could ever have imagined. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? But like you don't generally hear of stories where people are on this ride of crossing over yeah yeah and you're hearing them talk about it as they're doing it like yeah i don't know if i've ever heard a story i've heard people where they died and came back Mm -hmm. you know but this is like as he's in the process of crossing over and she said like she could just hear his voice loud and clear oh wow and i'm like oh what an amazing experience that's amazing absolutely amazing and for her to feel the peace and the joy oh yeah because she was bawling yeah. Oh, how could you not get emotional? Yeah, because you get so close to your patients, oh, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. So when you're taking care of them mm-hmm. for months, Absolutely. you know, you get close to them. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's a, such a special person to, to deal with hospice mm-hmm. and to do that. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So let's see what I have here. So our next story comes from Reddit, and this one was submitted by who goes by Middle Earth Gardens. Okay. So I had a patient who was CMO. For those of you who don't know, CMO stands for Comfort Measures Only. So essentially hospice care. Yes. So they had a patient who was CMO and quite obviously very close to dying. So the week before, my best buddy, Cat Pippin, had died and I was pretty broken up about it still. That being said, I walked into her room and she said, oh, you brought your kitty with you. I blinked at her 
and said, what? Mind you, this was the first time I had a patient that, that I hadn't discussed my cat with her. So basically this patient didn't even know she had a cat. Didn't even know she had a cat. Her reply was, your kitty, it's right by your foot. And she says, I get that shiver in my soul and asks just for kicks. Yeah? What color is the kitty? And she says, black with some white. And the gal says, well, Pippin was black and white. It was a tuxedo cat uh, with white paws and a white bib. And then her patient, the one who saw the kitty, said, she said that she had passed away that night. So instead of having like visions, well, maybe she had visions of her loved ones too, but she definitely saw her hospice care nurse's cat who had passed away. That's so cool. That is neat. That is kind of cool. Which It's then, like your kitty's with you. Yeah. Which then shows you that animals yes. do come back and visit you after and I really they believe, pass away. I really oh, believe I do, they, they do. do. Yeah. I've had an instant, too many instances where yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, we, we have had the same. We have. So that's a neat one, too. That's a cool one. So also from Reddit, uh, we have Parrot and Crow. My oldest brother died when he was 40, a long time ago. When my mother became unable to care for herself, I brought her to live with me. Shortly before she died in 2015, she'd been lying in bed, sick and in a semi-coma. When she suddenly looked up and said, Michael, or what was the brother's name? The look of joy and wonder in her voice was beautiful, and I knew that she had, had not long to go before my brother took her home. Wow. That's cool. And that, I think that one is kind of a fairly common, where you hear them say, because I mean, I remember my grandma yeah. saying um, her daughter's name that had passed. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Amazing. So this one is actually one from 1899. Oh, dang. Yeah. So this guy was named Francis Thomas Brooke, and he was born in 1871 and died in 1899. So he was only 28 years old. Still young. young. Yeah. He was progressively getting sicker and sicker. And by the time that they knew that he was going to die, they wanted him home because they felt like the hospital wasn't taking good care of him. And they wanted him to die at home. At this time, he was really upset with God because he, he had felt like um, God had forgotten him. And he really didn't want to leave his family. He had kids and a wife and his sister, oh, I believe, wow. lived at his house. So once he got closer to passing, his wife and sister heard him singing a soft hymn. And they ran into the room to make sure he was okay and what was going on because they thought he was sleeping. Because, you know, when you get closer to death, you're sleeping all the time. Right. They asked him, what's going on? And he said, come here, I want to tell you what just happened. Something opened up and it was the brightest light I'd ever seen. He saw angels, saints, and his grandfather, two of his aunts, his wife's sister-in-law, and one of his friends. He said he saw Jesus, which was very profound for him. He just had this overwhelming feeling of light and overwhelming feeling of infinite love. And Jesus said that he was going to come with him. But it just wasn't his time yet. And so he told Jesus, no, like, I want to come with you now. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, you will come soon, but not yet. But don't worry, we'll take care of you. He said, all of my fears and all of my trouble was completely taken away. Amazing. How cool. That is awesome. I mean, not only did he see one or two, he freaking saw his entire family and friends. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Let alone Amazing. Jesus. But yeah, like, that's a lot of people. Yeah. But you know, my grandmother, I got to talk to her before she passed away. And when I was talking with her on the phone, and it was tough to hear her because she had a uh, oxygen mask on, mm -hmm. but she had mentioned seeing Jesus. 
then Jesus yeah. was there and oh, yeah, with her. Neat. Yeah. That's so cool to feel that peace. Yeah. And not to be scared. Cause I think, that, I think that's the one thing that we all fear or at least mo- a lot of people fear mm-hmm. is, is death in itself. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it tends to be a terrifying experience. Regardless, Especially when you're young. Right. Especially yes. when you're young, but even when you're older, right? Because see, I know it exactly. We have faith that there's life after death, that there's all of these things. And we've, you know, through our paranormal uh, investigations and stuff, we, we feel we have captured proof right. that there's something after death. But we don't know what. No. You know what I, you know what I mean? And so it's like there's this unknown, there's this scare that comes with it. Yeah. Well, and there are people who aren't religious at all mm-hmm. or have right. never been taught anything or, yeah, you know, just flat out don't have that belief. Yeah. And I can imagine that it would be terrifying to be like, what if everything goes dark? Yeah. What if everything is just done? Yeah. And especially when you're young and thinking like... The world is is so far in front of you. And I I have to miss my entire family growing up. Yeah. Like, that would be tough. That's scary. Very scary. All right. So this one's also from Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a theme coming on. Yeah. (laughs) This one just says in parentheses, it says deleted. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the the account's gone. Okay, but I'll just mention it anyways. <laughs> this is from Deleted. This is from Deleted. <laughs> There's lots of posts by that, by that individual. <laughs> <laughs> it says, my paternal grandmother lived her latter years with her youngest son and his family. In the year of her death, oftentimes her daughter-in-law heard her carrying full conversations with someone in her room with the door closed. One day, my aunt asked her whom she was talking to. And she answered the name of her deceased son. My aunt replied, but he is dead. And grandma says, I know he comes often to visit just to see how I am. At that point, she was physically fine and had a sound mind that kept until the day she died, which is really lucky because most people don't. Yeah. She died alone in the hospital. But the day before we went to visit and she had told me that this was the last time we will see each other, that she was tired and her body was tired and gave me her farewell in private. She knew, she just knew. She had seen a lot in her 86 years. What a wise woman. So yeah, so basically she just heard her having, you know, carrying on like uh, conversations like what we do, you know, uh, behind a closed door all the time. She heard her carrying on conversations. I hope that happens to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think as paranormal investigators, that would be like the golden ticket for us. I think so. Like way to end it, like. Let's see ghosts and like end it that way. Yes. 100% yes. That'd be so cool. (laughs) Another person um, that I was telling you I follow is, her name is Nurse Hadley. And all the things that she talks about really is these visioning experiences with her patients. So Nurse Hadley was with her first ever patient. And she was a lady in her 70s who had bone cancer. She was not confused at all. And one day, Nurse Hadley was sitting by her bed, just charting on her computer. And the patient turned to her and said, my sister is in the chair next to you. And she looked over and didn't didn't see anyone there. The The patient said, she died 20 years ago. Do you believe me? Nurse Hadley said yes, but in the back of her mind, she wondered if maybe her kidneys were failing, which could cause the hallucinations. And she was also trying to figure out, you know, her religion as well. She was struggling with it. And the patient said, please don't tell my family. They're going to think I'm crazy. The nurse said, okay. And the patient continued. 
I think I'm going to be dying soon. And the nurse said, you know, you're really not showing any signs. Your blood pressure is okay. Everything is going as normal. But the patient was right. She passed a few days later. Wow. Wow. They just know. I, and like, I, I think that's true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. When they get close, they just know they just it's know. their time. It's kind of like animals. Animals just know too. And they'll just go and hide a they lot do, of the time. Yeah, they'll go hide. They'll wander off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't long. It was like a month before my grandfather passed away and he didn't do much. Like the the most he really did was sit in his chair and watch the old black and whites, mm-hmm. like Gomer Pyle, USMC, and Sergeant Yor, <laughs> yeah. and all of those things, at a level that was loud enough to be heard down the street. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know. I think all of our grandparents do. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. And it was funny, too, because my granddad was like, I don't need a hearing. I can hear just fine. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, so, so does everybody everyone else. else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But about a month before he passed away, he was up mowing the lawn and doing all these other things. And they say it's actually somewhat common for, for individuals when they're close, when they yep. get to that point, they actually start doing more things. It's a burst of energy. Yep. Yeah. And I've there, seen animals do that too. It will yeah. actually, generally, this burst of energy only lasts for a few hours. Really? In general. Hmm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Was it my turn again? It's your turn again. Already? Already. Where are we? I'm here, I swear. Okay. <laughs> So, of course, this one is, again, from Reddit, and this is by, uh, this one was submitted by someone named Foolish Girl 89 At 89, you shouldn't be foolish. <laughs> <laughs> Some are. You should be past all that. Okay. Maybe it means eight or eight moving on to nine. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. It says, my mother passed at 52 from cancer. In the three months leading to her death, before we realized it had metastasized, she started seeing her aunt. She knew she had cancer and it frightened her that it meant she was dying. In the final few days, she wasn't lucid, but would talk to her aunt and her grandmother about not wanting to leave. Four years later, my grandfather was in hospital. He had early stage dementia and undiagnosed cancer. He was pretty, he was still pretty with it though. Uh, We were just coming back from getting x-rays And when we entered his room, his face changed and he shook his head at someone. He later told me that when we came back, my mom was sitting on his bed waiting for him and told him she'd come to get him. Later, as he declined, uh, we could hear him talking to our mom and telling her he couldn't leave yet, that he needed to know my grandmother would be okay. Uh, On his last few days, he started to talk to his mom too, telling her that he'd be there soon. When he passed, it was very sudden. One minute he was here watching TV with my grandmother, and the next she glanced at him and he had passed. I love thinking that our family helped guide us at the end. I think it's cool when they tell them about the time that they're going to die. Like, we're going to take you within, like, the next day or so, or we're going to take you tonight, or we're going to... And that's another thing I came across is a lot of them were telling them like, when, when really, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just like, uh, some of them are just instinctly, like they just know, they just know yeah. yeah. when they see their family, like, oh, I'm going to go tonight or and I'm going to go. This must've been from the UK because mom, mom. Yeah. M-U-M. That's yeah. cute. Mom. It could be UK or it could be like Australia. Sure. They Do they do the that same. in Australia? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nice. So I like it. All right, so my next one is actually from a CBS News article. All right. And it is the article is, is uh, titled, Who You See Before You Die, Hospice Documenting Patients' Mysterious Dream Experiences. 
Cool. So I'm going to read the whole whole article. There's just a lot of stuff in here. Okay. And go. (laughs) Death is one of the mysteries of life, but dreams of patients at Hospice Buffalo in New York State are revealing something incredible about the process of dying. Dr. Christopher Kerr and his team have been documenting dreams or visions of dying patients for years. They found that the dreams are often comforting and make death less scary. It turns out when we have little time left, many of us see many the people we miss the most. They've recorded many of the interviews. So a man named Horace explained one of his dreams. My wife all of a sudden appeared. A woman named Janine describes how vivid they are. I remember seeing every piece of their face. I mean, I know that was my mom and my and dad and uncle and my brother-in-law, she continued. It felt good. I felt good to see some people. A patient named Maggie dreamt about her sister who had passed away before. So I said, Beth, you've got to stay with me, Maggie said. I'm alone. Stay with me. She says, I can't. Not now. But then her sister gives her a message. And then she says, soon we'll be back. We'll be back together. Dr. Kerr didn't start out believing. He's now the chief medical officer at Hospice Buffalo. And when he was first starting out, something happened that opened his mind. He thought a certain patient could live a little longer with IV fluids. I walked in and the nurse didn't even look up, said Dr. Kerr. And she said, no, no, he's dying. And I said, why are you saying that? She said, well, he's seeing his deceased mother. And I was like laughing. Yeah, right. He was skeptical. But he explained that he was proven wrong over and over. Everybody but me was able to prognosticate death in part based on what people were seeing or experiencing, he said. He says doctors aren't trained to deal with these dreams, but he began studying them and realizing that they're therapeutic. Instead of having the fear of death, said Dr. Kerr, It almost transcends the fear of death to something bigger. In 10 years, he and his team have documented 14,000 cases. 80% of his patients report dreams or visions. See, that's too common. Right. That's a lot. That's that's a ton. That's 11. For it to be a coincidence. That's that's over 11,000 cases of of people having visions. What's clear is people are universally saying this feels more real and different than any dreams I've ever had before, he said. Uh, KDKA met with one of those patients during our visit, a man named Greg Lieber, or Liebler. So this is a transcript of their meeting. Liebler said, my grandmother and grandfather are both passed. Uh, Dr. Kerr says, have you had a dream of them? Liebler, yes, I see them often. Liebler's sister, Karen, uh, is a nurse at Hospice Buffalo. He was really close with my mother's, with my mom's parents, she said. The people who loved him and nurtured him, he says the most, were his grandparents, and that's who returns to him, Dr. Kerr said. He sees himself as a child talking to them again. Uh, Dr. Kerr says, but it feels good. And Liebler says, Liebler says, it sure does. Liebler passed away less than three weeks after our interview. We're physically declining, but inside we're very vibrant and alive, says Dr. Kerr. He said the dreams happen more often as death gets closer, and there are common themes like upcoming travel. A patient named Paul shared one of his dreams. She wanted me to pack up some things for her, so I had this crazy dream. I'm packing goods. Sometimes the dreams allow people to address unsolved issues or unresolved issues. A patient named Patricia felt relieved after delivering a message to her deceased husband. I told him, you should have taken care of this. And I want you to know that I'm really angry that you didn't. And he smiled. When children are dying, they often don't know any people who have passed. So they dream of deceased pets. Hmm. A girl named Jessica explains her dreams. I dreamt of my old dog, Shadow. That has passed away. They'll come on these experiences and say they want to go back, said Dr. Kerr. So what causes the dreams? Their religious, spiritual, scientific explanation? Dr. Kerr's explanation is, I don't have one. Oh, wow. that's neat. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, to have eleven over 11,000 documented cases. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's so many. And 80% so of your many. patients. 
Well, that's that's eighty percent. So of fourteen thousand, over eleven thousand had experiences, which is amazing. Yeah, and to have them all documented, and some of them are are minor and small, but you know, in, in some Still cases, there. they're more. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I even came across this story of um, this isn't one of the ones I had down, but where a person who had um, who was on hospice at home was new to the hospice nurse and was like, "How how are things going?" And they were like, "Well." My my favorite pet died, and ever since then, I've just been going downhill, and then now here you are. And she's like, I don't have anything really else to live for. And no. so she's like, well, do you have a picture of him? And she's like, yeah, and it was this cute, like, golden retriever or whatever. And she's like, oh, that's such a cute dog. And then she comes back again, and she's asleep, and the nurse is like, or she sits up as the nurse is in there, she goes, I woke up from all these, from this dog barking. And she's like, um, I don't think you guys have any dogs around, but I'll go out and go look. And she looked and there were no dogs around. And then she comes back the next time and she's sitting on her bed petting her old dog. Whoa. Oh. And amazing. saying like, oh, I missed you. I'm so happy oh. you're here. And then soon after she passed. Oh, oh. my goodness. So, I mean... It just tells you, like, maybe this person didn't really have a lot of people in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's why it was her dog that showed up. Yeah. Because yeah. that's who she cared about the most. Yeah. So if it's people that you care about the most or pets or whatever. It would be covered in cats. It would be great. <laughs> be covered in all sorts of animals. <laughs> but bonus, I bet there's no hair. <laughs> Left on your stick. clothes. Yeah. They don't shed. <laughs> Could you imagine waking up and you're covered in cat hair? Like, where did this happen? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is so cool, though. So another one of uh, Dr. Hadley's patients. Um, she said another one of her patients was very close to her, and she saw her twice a week for about six months. The lady was 98 years old and very spunky, uh, very social, or not social, but vocal about being ready to die. You know, when you get to that point where everybody You're else You're like, I'm is, done. Yeah, I'm yeah. ready. Let's I'm go. I'm ready. Let's go. So her husband had passed really early, early on in their marriage. He had died in the war and all of her friends had died. And she would talk to anyone and everyone about how she was ready to meet her maker. So one night she had an SOPD exasperation, which means that it makes it really, really hard for them to breathe. So she comes in. She's really struggling to take a breath. She thinks she's going to die. So Nurse Hadley comes in and gives her medication, helps her get that under control. The patient said, I thought that I was going to die. I was I was very scared. And the nurse said, what are you scared of? And she said, I'm Christian, but I was scared that maybe it does all go dark. A couple of weeks go by and she started to decline and was sleeping a lot. She was only awake a couple hours a day. The nurse noticed that she was looking at her. So she said, hey. And the patient said, I'm going to pass tonight. And the nurse said, I don't think so. I think you have a couple more weeks. And she said, no, I'm going to. The nurse said, are you scared? And she said, no, my husband is here to get me. He is watching us right now. And he's going to be taking me tonight. And the nurse told her that she loved her but really thought she had about another week or so. But after the nurse went to bed, she woke up at 3 a.m. randomly, and she knew that she was gone. She just had this feeling. And then when she got the report from the night nurse, she said that she had passed away at 2.30 a.m. peacefully. 
Wow. Oh. So yeah, you can see where once she got scared, like we had talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and then her husband comes and gives her peace. Yeah. No longer fri- afraid. Yep. I'm frightened. And I thought that was cool that she woke up 30 minutes after she died knowing. Just knowing. Just knowing. Yeah. It's crazy that you can get those feelings. Yeah. I but think you, when you have that connection with your patients or mm-hmm. with a loved one and you mm-hmm. just you just know, mm-hmm. you just know. I think they kind of tell you in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same thing happen, if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this one, also from Reddit. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. How is that happening? It's like someone just went on Reddit and found a bunch of uh, posts. I know, right? <laughs> but these are the best ones. Stories from people who, you know telling these stories and stuff yeah who personal accounts yeah. Well, yeah like this is a total different spin on what we normally do yeah so this is more of like the good side or just yes. like the happier side or yes, sweeter side so or the many, sadder side it's, well, a, it's such a it's such a i think it's bag. i think it's it's a mixed bag of course but i think in a world that where you read things and watch the news and it's always negative oh the focus is always negative negative and scary and scary and so you have to like there's a lot of good and happy out there still but you have to search a little harder yeah yeah so, and especially with the paranormal stuff right it's all demons demons no, are everywhere it is not is well so stupid well i mean if you watch youtube and oh, and certain tv shows it's how they get clicks that's all that <laughs> I, is i know I it's know. you know and it's not like you don't run into a type three and whatnot but it does not happen nearly as often no. as they try to make you think it really doesn't i think they're more uncommon than they are common yeah yeah it does happen but not not like they say it does so no. on them <laughs> okay <laughs> moving on so this is from, this was submitted by someone, I am Renee. Okay. Irene. <laughs> we'll stick with Renee. It's R-E-E-N-I-E. Rene. Ooh. Maybe it is Renee. It's Bouquet. I think it's- I, Bouquet I, residence. It looks like Rene, but maybe it's Renee. <laughs> okay. So uh, deceased loved ones come and help the dying to pass. It happened to my dad. I was with him by his bedside the last night of his life. My dad was terrified of dying and was fighting it. My husband, my sister, and my family friend were by my dad's hospital bedside. My dad had been slipping in and out of consciousness. He woke up, looked directly over my husband's shoulder towards the foot of the hospital bed, and raised his arm out as if trying to touch someone. He had the biggest smile on his face. My husband leaned over to me and whispered in my ear, asking me what my dad was looking at. I leaned over and looked at the foot of the hospital bed, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I could clearly see the silhouette of two people standing there. I couldn't make out their features or their, you know, sex, male or female. There was a shift of energy and a glow in the room. I instinctively knew those two figures were my deceased mom and brother. My mom had died three years prior, and my brother, six months. They came to help calm my dad and to help him to transition. No one else in the room room could see what uh, my dad and I saw. The glow faded, and my dad dropped his arm back to his side. I asked the others to leave the room, and once they left, I asked my dad if he was still afraid of dying. He responded happily and excited, Honey, your mom and brother were here. They're waiting for me to help me cross over. I am no longer afraid. 
and my dad confirmed for me what I thought I witnessed. He died two hours later in peace and with a big smile on his face. Oh, my goodness. How sweet is that? It doesn't get much better than that. No. No. Can I die within two hours and being super happy? And And excited? Yeah. To do so? Yeah. Plus dying with a smile on your face. Normally people's mouths are gaping open. Right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tongue hanging out you know <laughs> x's over the eyes <laughs> wait that happens <laughs> no but i'm gonna tell somebody to put those buttons with the x across them over my head i'll do it John. at least i got it. you she got my back <laughs> we got this yeah. all right so my next article actually comes from the washington post uh it was written by a steven uh petro and it's entitled at the end of her life, my mother started seeing ghosts, and it freaked me out. <laughs> That's a good title. Yeah. <laughs> That's very descriptive. Right? <laughs> so last summer, six months before my mother died, I walked into her bedroom, and she greeted me with a tiny hello and a big smile. She then resumed a conversation with her mother, who had died in 1973. Where are you? Mom asked, as though Grandma, a one-time Fifth Avenue milliner milliner was on one of her many european hat buying junkets as i stood there dumbstruck mom continued chatting in a young girl's voice no no less for several more minutes was this a reaction to medication a sign of advancing dementia or was she preparing to transition to whatever she was going next regardless mom was freaking me out as well as my (laughs) brother sister and father as it turns out my mother's chat with a ghost was a signal that the end was inching closer those who work with the terminally ill, such as the social workers, hospice caregivers, call this episode or visions a manifestation, what is called near-death awareness, mm-hmm. or NDA. Yeah, cool. They are common. They are very common among dying patients in hospice situations. Rebecca v- Vela, a psychiatrist in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, who specializes in, tr- in treating terminally ill patients, wrote in an email, those who are dying and seem to be in and out of this world and the next one often find their deceased loved ones present and they communicate with them in many cases the pre- or in many cases the predeceased loved ones to the dying person to be aiding them in their transition to the next world while family members are often clueless about this phenomenon at least at the outset a small 2014 study of hospice patients concluded that most participants reported such visions and that and that as these people approach death comforting dreams, visions of the deceased became more prevalent. Jim May, a licensed clinical social worker in Durham, North Carolina, said that family members and patients themselves are frequently surprised by their deathbed visitors, often asked him to help them understand what is happening. I really try to encourage people, whether it's a near-death experience or hallucination, to just go with the flow, May explained after I told him about my mom's visitations. Whatever they're experiencing is real to them. Vela agreed, telling me what not to do. Minimize, dismiss, or worse, pathologize these accounts, which is harmful and can be traumatic to the dying person. In fact, May said, most patients find the conversations to be comforting. That certainly appeared to be the case with my mother, who had happy exchanges with several good friends who, like my grandmother, were no longer living. In a moving uh, 2015 TED Talk, Christopher Kerr, chief medical officer at the Center for Hospice and Palliative Care in Buffalo, that name sounds familiar. It does. <laughs> Where have I heard this before? <laughs> uh, showed a clip of one of his terminally ill patients discussing her deathbed visions, which included her saying, my, mo- 
my mom and dad, my uncle, everybody I knew that was dead was there by my side. I remember seeing every piece of their face. She was lucid and present. Since mom had already been diagnosed with advanced dementia, I originally thought her talks were a sign of worsening illness. In fact, current research posits that combination of psychological, pharmaceutical, and psychological explanations may be at play. That's exactly what May's hands-on experience of more than 14 years revealed to him, too. May acknowledged that it's understandably hard hard to have empirical evidence for such episodes in patients, but that it's important for family members and health professionals to figure out how to respond. Last fall, another visit to my mom raised the stakes. As before, she greeted me by name and spoke coherently for several minutes before she turned to the bookcase near her bed and began began cooing to an imaginary, or imaginary baby. I watched in astonishment as mom gitchy gitchy gooed to an apparition <laughs> she referred to as her baby. Oh, my goodness. My baby is very sick, she repeated, clearly deeply concerned about this apparition. She's very thirsty. She's hungry. She's crying. Can't you do anything for her? I didn't know what to do. Neither did my siblings or dad. I had long stopped correcting mom. A year earlier, mom had regaled me with a story that my niece, Anna, had made a delicious dinner that night before and was that very moment out doing errands. In fact, Anna was away at college. Also, I've never seen her cook, and she doesn't even have a driver's license. But why contradict mom's visions for a perfect granddaughter? Social worker May, when asked about these sorts of imaginings, put put it this way. Don't argue because an argument is not what they need. I decided to go along with the baby story and told mom I was going to take the baby to the kitchen to to bottle feed her, which elevated the crisis. As a few days, as the fall days grew shorter, my mom's baby was continued continuing presence at my visits with my mother becoming increasingly distressed i would settle things down by giving the imagined infant an imaginary bottle or cradle her in my arms and leave the room for a while saying i was taking her to the doctor at one point i asked gently mom do you think this baby is yours she didn't miss a beat yes the baby is hurting in fact the largest study on to date on deathbed visions reported on numerous occasions when the arrival of a visitor appeared to arouse anxiety and intensify death fear but what to do I hate that my mom's level of distress was skyrocketing in what turned out to be her final weeks. I simply held mom's hand a bit tighter and tried to distract her as best I could with family and political news. Oh, and I cooked what she loved me doing. One evening, I made a simple dinner. Spaghetti with store-bought marinara sauce and a brightly green leaf salad. Mom had pretty much stopped eating at this point, which is common as the end draws near. But she made a show of her trying her best with the with this repast for the two of us, plus my father. It was heartbreaking to watch her try to spear the pasta, but she managed several hearty mouthfuls, saving room for a scoop of seal test vanilla ice cream. After dinner, I helped her back to bed, where she exclaimed, How did you know? How did I know what? I asked. That's exactly how I wanted my funeral to be. You invited all my favorite people, and the food was just what I would have ordered. She was beaming. Six weeks later, she passed, and pasta and salad were on the menu at her service. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. It's it's really a, a nice story. I do wonder though the baby piece. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't something that maybe she lost uh, a well, child young, or that's what I was thinking. But or well, I think it's I. In my opinion, obviously I'm no like expert on this, but in my opinion, she's probably having a hallucination mm-hmm. with an experience that she had, kind of intertwined intertwined yeah yeah and it's tough too right like bringing that back yeah Yeah. it's tough because dementia does mess a lot with with the mind and what they're seeing and experiencing Mm -hmm. so it's hard that one becomes tougher well yeah like so on 
uh, my mom's side of the family, there is quite a bit of that going on right now in our lives. And um, going to these hospice places, you know, where these people, like all these people with dementia live, um, there are some that have a stuffed cat that sits on their lap and purrs, you know, while they pet it. There are some that have a baby doll wrapped up in a blanket that they Mm -hmm. feel like they have to take care of. Yes. There are some that were cleaners, you know, like, or they um, will go up and start cleaning everything. You know, there's nothing that's even dirty in there. Cleaning everything. This is that this is, is going to be Jamie. Jamie. Yes, definitely going to be Jamie. <laughs> She's going to be organizing everything and cleaning. <laughs> um, you know, and so there's just a variety of different people there. But I know I noticed that a lot of it kind of depends on you know what they did or what they were in their early lives. Yeah, or like what was most prominent in their life or whatever. That's kind of like where. It, gears towards not all but yeah that's what i noticed with some of these people and yeah. so it was interesting to see so that's why i'm wondering if it was something like that where you know she really did experience something as maybe a young adult or whatever and and she was kind of reliving it yeah yeah possible it, very possible very possible but who knows who knows yeah that's always a don't know for sure no no don't know for sure so this next one again is from dr hadley uh she cared for uh her patient, William, we'll just say William because none of her patients, she's going to give out, she's not going to give out names for her patients, right. obviously, HIPAA. So she cared for William for about six months, and he was in his late 80s with heart disease. And by the time she met him, it was hard for him to move around, and he would get up, get so out of breath, and he'd have to sit down. And most of the time, he was in bed. He wasn't happy that she was there when she first came knowing that that meant that he was going to die. And I'm sure for him, he just didn't want to face that, wasn't ready to face that yet, right? And she's probably just like this constant reminder of what's coming, right? Right. But they got close over time, and it got to the point where he was sleeping all the time. And he would be awake for only an hour or so at a time, but still very tired and hadn't eaten in a couple of days which is normal for the end of life. But she got a call one night from his wife saying that he was up and walking around and wasn't even using his oxygen. And it's called a surge of energy, like we had talked about. Yep. And she went over and he was cooking dinner. (laughs) So he was actually a chef. Oh, wow. Um, And that's what he said he wanted to do during that time. He wanted to cook dinner. And as she was, well, so she books it over there right? She's like, I've got to see this because one, I've never seen him really up walking around with energy. And two, I've never seen him without his oxygen. Right. So, and he was feeling amazing apparently. So she goes over there and she's, he's kind of like in the middle of cooking and he's cooking some rice and beans and she's handing him ingredients. And she said, you know, you've been sleeping every time I come over. And William said, I know. I've been talking to my mom. My mom has been coming to see me and she looks so wonderful. And I'm going to go with her soon and we'll be going somewhere by the weekend. So it was like she told him. So that was a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And she told his wife to enjoy the time that they were going to have together because it generally only lasts for a few hours. And it did. The nurse went by the next day. Um, for now, the daily visits, it had gotten to the point where instead of going maybe once or twice a week, it's now every day. And his wife told him that after the food was simmering, he went back to bed and told his wife that he loved her 
fell asleep and went into a coma and passed away that Friday night. Wow. Wow. So how cool would it be to be like, hey, I've talked to my mom. I know I know I'm going to die by the weekend. Yeah. And we're going to go together. And I've got this burst of energy. So I'm going to make my favorite meal and we're going to enjoy it. Like, but also like he didn't even really get to, he didn't get to eat it. No. It was just simmering. Right. But what was really cute about this whole story is um, Nurse Hadley had was talking to this patient, William, about cooking uh, red beans and rice. Yeah. Before. And because she was like, oh, it smells so good in this house. What is this? And he told her and she's like, oh, I just tried that the other night and it tasted terrible. So he was like, well, why do you think it tasted terrible? She's like, I don't know. I followed the instructions. And she's like, well, how long did you boil the beans for? She's like, I don't know, like 30 minutes. And he's like, you didn't pre-soak them yeah. or you did it, whatever. And she's like, no. So you were eating oh, crunchy beans. So That's no good at all. The reason why she was handing him the ingredients was because he was teaching her how to make the red beans and rice Aww. his way. Yeah. And gave her all the instructions on how to do it. And um, then as after he passed away, his wife sent her the recipe for his exact one. Wow. So I just thought that was really sweet. That is very that is sweet. Super sweet. I love it. Heartwarming. Yeah. Absolutely heartwarming. I do wonder if she enjoyed them. Yeah. Did she say? I don't know. But if you think about it, like how sad, how sad would this be? That's the last meal she's ever going to have from him. I know. That is tough. Because knowing that he was a chef, I'm sure he cooked all the time. Sure. And it was kind of a special thing. Yeah. So knowing that it was his thing that he did, that he wanted to do, and that's yeah. the last time she gets to enjoy his food. Yeah. But how, I mean, it's also a bittersweet thing. Right? Oh, for because sure. Because before, he'd probably been bedridden and not doing much for probably a month or so. Well, she had said that she had been with him for six months and she had rarely seen him out of bed. Right. So for six months, he hadn't been up cooking. So she hadn't got a chance to have his food again for over six months. And then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden he gets a burst of energy. He makes a wonderful, probably wonderful meal. And she gets to at least enjoy it one last time. Yeah. Yeah. Very bittersweet. Very bittersweet. Yeah. Sad part is though, it was she, I'm sure she ate it all by herself. No. Well, that's what would be tough about it. As yeah. far as she knew, she ate it by herself. Yeah, that's <laughs> He true. could have yeah. been right next to her. Huh? How is it? How is it? Huh? <laughs> Sitting in there strutting. Yeah, I know it's good. It's good. <laughs> I can just see by the look on your face. It's good. <laughs> Those are tears of joy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one's also from Reddit by someone named uh, Wild Arrival 5062. When my grandmother was dying, I spent the last nights with her in her hospital room. She was sitting upright, wide awake, and talking with her family and her friends that had already passed on. Um, It was like they were walking in the room and saying stuff, and she would reply to whatever they were saying. It didn't freak me out or scare me. It was actually comforting. It's like they were all coming to let her know that they'll be waiting for her on the other side. Her face was like a child in wonderment. After about two hours of that, she got quiet and said, Jesus, will you come on? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, come on. Hurry it up. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm tired and I'm ready to go. She got quiet again and told me she loved me. And that I was the queen from now on. <laughs> she <laughs> would. Cute. She always joked she was the queen of the family. She closed her eyes and never opened them again. I never feared dying after that. It was a beautiful thing to witness. I know she will come for me when I go. 
People will believe it or not. She didn't go to church, but she had a spiritual faith that never wavered. How cool. That is so cool. Yeah. Come on, Jesus, I'm ready. I expect my grandma <laughs> to tell me, well, kid, you're the warden now. <laughs> oh, she's going to. She's going to. In her own way, she'll say, all right, I'm passing this torch. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, my dad had hospice care. Yeah. So my dad died, oh, what was it, almost three years ago now? He died in 2020, October. Yeah, it was COVID. Almost three years. It wasn't from COVID. No, no, it was just the COVID During the COVID time. And uh, so he was diagnosed with brain cancer. They gave him, you know, six weeks to live. I think he lived five. Yeah. He died October 9th, which was a Friday. But he had hospice care. And my stepmom and uh, one of my sisters was there with him pretty much always. And the rest of us popped in and out. We'd spend like a day there, a little bit of time every day. Except for the last week. Except for the last week. Um, We drove down. And at that point, he was unconscious. Yeah. Um, wasn't really awake or wasn't eating or anything. But um, from what my sister and my stepmom said, the hospice nurse was amazing. She explained everything as it was happening and what to expect. And she was great. And I, I just have to take my hat off to those uh, mm-hmm. hospice folks that uh, they're amazing. I mean, you'd have to really be quite the amazing person to do a job like that. Yeah. Oh, totally. But yeah, I guess she was just absolutely amazing. Well, we met her. We talked to her. We did a little bit, but my stepmom and, and my sister had the most, you know, yeah. interaction with her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then my stepmom would pass it on to me when we'd show up and, and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. I have yeah, a lot those of people respect. Are special. Yeah. Yeah. But she was amazing. She was. I do remember the last night. Mm-hmm. It was it was that Thursday night. We were all um, in in his room. We we're all in his room. We we're all gathered. You know, we we're all kind of um, side by side. Yeah, yeah. But there was a space in between. I think it was in between you and I. I can't remember if it was between you and I or between me and somebody else. Yeah. But there was remember. a space. There was a gap in the circle. Uh-huh. And. I remember getting this uh, overwhelming sense that Will was there. Yeah. Will's my brother. Oh, yeah. Your brother that mm-hmm. passed away. His birthday would have been yesterday. He would have been 39. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. His birthday is July He's my 6th. age. Yeah. Yeah. He, he would have been 39. How special. What a neat experience to yeah. have mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It, and, and like all those experiences, it, it is bittersweet because you're saying yeah. goodbye. And I remember my stepmom was telling him that it's okay. We're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to hang on for us. Well, and see, that's the thing is it's just a, it's such a humbling uh, experience where, you know, when you're with someone who passes away, it's, it's like this um, almost peacefulness, like, you Mm -hmm. know, especially when they're older, Mm -hmm. just this peacefulness just comes throughout the room. Yeah. You know, I, I have been around a few people that have passed, you know, or, and it's, it's not like a dread feeling, you know, it's like, I'm sad. I'm going to miss you. Right. Absolutely. But it's not, it's more of like a peaceful mm-hmm. spiritual experience than yeah. anything. Yeah, It is. So yeah, very, I, I was grateful that my dad, it wasn't sudden. Um, and we were all able to have our moments with him and to say goodbye to him. Because with my brother, Will, it was sudden. Right. It was very sudden. So there What makes was... it hard to get over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I was just really getting to know him. 
Yeah. To be honest with you, I had just moved back to Spokane, Washington, and and him and I got some one-on-one time, and it was great. Like, we had this really deep conversation. We had a lot of laughs, and so I felt like I was just really getting to know him, and, you know, he had told me about his hopes, his dreams, his plans, and all those things, and then, you know, day before Christmas Eve, just gone. Well, and how cool of an experience was it for you to be able to have that I felt gypped in a way, though, because I was just getting to know him right? and build on a relationship, a brother-sister relationship. And I felt like that was taken away. I wasn't angry, right? but I was upset, of course. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, you why know, wouldn't you be? Right. And it was kind of the same with my dad. So the paranormal is what my dad and I really related on. Mm-hmm. We started talking more. And stuff before he was diagnosed, he went to Waverly with us. And the old Montana State And the old prison. Montana State Prison. You know, he was one of the first members of our team. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, there was this connection there with me and my dad after all these years. And, you know, this really good connection. And then he was taken away. Yep. And so that's, it's, it's, it's bittersweet in that. For sure. Bitter in the sense that you don't get that. Like, I'm not resentful. Right. But it's like, dang it. How many many times when I just start connecting with somebody and they're So everybody that starts to connect with Jamie, watch out. Just don't connect with me, people. (laughs) Disengage. I'm in. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) So this one is kind of a bit of a twist. So this isn't with, well, it kind of is with one of um, Nurse Hadley's patients, but okay. So one of her patients that actually had passed helped her. So this is what she said in one of the um, videos that I watched. She said, we had just gotten back from a weekend trip, uh, her and her family, and the house smelled so bad because they had forgotten to take out the trash. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> we ha- all know had, that feeling. Had that happen once. Yeah. I swear, everybody's done it once, and that's oh, all it yeah. takes. That's all it takes. You never do it again. Then you nope. start, that's the first thing you think of when, <laughs> when you know you things got to get done. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they took it out, and then they headed to the grocery store to get some essentials that they had missed, you know. And she says, as I passed by the frozen section, I noticed this pizza that my patient used to always eat. I just passed it and remembered her fondly. We don't eat frozen pizza, so I just kept going. But the entire time I felt like someone was yelling at me to go get this frozen pizza. Like I couldn't even think straight. So I went back and I got the pizza, had no plans for it, thinking that this was just really silly. We get home and we try to order from the local pizza place, but they just don't answer their phone. She said, I tried to call, my husband tried to call, but nobody answered. But then I remembered the frozen pizza. So I'm like, oh, perfect. So I preheated the oven. And when I went to return, the entire oven was caught on fire. Now I saw a picture of this. This oven was in flames. This whole thing was like black. Okay. I got the kids out and my husband put out the fire. So what does this have to do with my patient? Well, the fire department did an investigation and it was determined that we had a gas leak. And if we wouldn't have turned on that oven that night, none of us would have survived. Oh, wow. Wow. Spooky. Right? Here's the thing that's kind of crazy, right? Is trash is awful smelling. Sure. Yep. And they put the sulfur in the natural gas. So so that you can smell it. So you can smell it. Yeah. The problem is, is that I'm sure it was masked by the smell of rotting garbage. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. And so they had no idea. And then, of course, you know, once you take it out and you put it in the trash It still can, lingers. It yeah. still lingers. And so you're smelling it. Oh, man, it stinks Hang still. time. Mm-hmm. It's got hang time. <laughs> and so you don't even think that you're actually smelling gas. Yep. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Wow. So she, this is the end of my stories for her, but she actually has a book called The In-Between that she just um, published. And it is full of stories of her being a hospice nurse and her patients having these visioning experiences. Wow. So that's what her whole book is about. It's this really thick book and it looks amazing and I want it so bad. The stories that she shares are amazing. So if you look her up, I think she's on Instagram or Facebook too, uh, Nurse Hadley. She's really, really sweet. Do you know where we can find her book for all of our listeners? Um, I think they're just at any bookstores, that any massive bookstores. Okay. Is there a title to it or just? It's called The In-Between. Oh, they, oh okay. You did say that. Yeah. yeah. The In-Between. So we'll have to look it up. Yeah. She's amazing. It reminds me of Stranger Things. Oh, it's yes. It's the Upside Down in Stranger yeah. Things. Right. It's like The, the In-Between. In <laughs> well, yeah. You could call The Upside Down The In-Between, right? Kind of, yeah. Right? Sure. Okay. So I have one more. And okay. you guys are actually going to appreciate this story. Um, there is no actual ghost in this. Okay. But it's kind of an interesting twist in the hospice thing. Ooh, I'm excited Kay. to hear it. Are you ready? Yeah. In 2005, Oscar the cat was adopted with five other cats to live in the Steerhouse Nursing. Okay, now tell me why you enjoy this. Tell me why you're going to like it. Well, because one, we adopted a cat not that long ago, a male kitty named Oscar, and we have five other cats. <laughs> yes. On top of that. <laughs> So soon ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I've got you in. I've got you in. Is Oscar a brown tabby or a gray tabby? Because, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it's a cute kitty, though. Um, so it was this hospice facility hoping to help aid the patients who were struggling um, and give them some comfort. Because this place was for patients who um, had dementia or Alzheimer's or, um, gosh, what's the one where they shake really bad? Oh, uh, Parkinson's. Parkinson's, yes. Um, and Parkinson's. And so um, there was this doctor there that was working there for about a year before they adopted Oscar and the five other cats. And he was doing studies, right, um, just on these patients. So at first, Oscar was not happy to be there. Um, he would hide under the beds. And this is like for the whole first year. Okay. He would hide under beds or go into closets and completely stay away from everybody. Then after the year, the staff noticed that the cat was gravitating towards people who were actively dying. So again, actively dying means you've only got a few days left, right? Right. Yep. He was predicting the deaths of the patients a few hours before they would pass. So then the doctors and nurses noticed and the nurses would call the family members to come say their goodbyes. And the doctors, the doctor started a study on him and he positively identified and or predicted 20 patients deaths in a row. Jeez. So he only visited those people about three hours before they would pass. Jeez. So we just call the Oscar the death cat. Oh, well, great. They actually were calling him the angel of death. Oh, <laughs> Even better. <laughs> so he was walking around and he went to the end of the hall in the last room. There was a patient sick with cancer in there, but the door was closed. And he waited there for 25 minutes before someone opened the door. Oscar went straight to the patient's bed and curled up next to her 
And within the hour, the family the family was notified and showed up within that hour. And she passed. He would lay next to them until they would pass. And if family members didn't want him there, the nurses would try to remove him and he would hiss and scratch. Whoa. And he... It, they would take him out of the room and close the door, and he'd go right up to that door and start scratching the door, Jeez. wanting to get in. Um, so nurses once placed Oscar in the bed of a patient that they thought was gravely ill, you know, that they thought was actively dying, and Oscar wouldn't stay put. The staff thought that the streak was broken. Turns out the medical professionals were wrong. The patient ra- um, rallied for two days, but in the final hours, Oscar held his bedside vigil without prompting. They called him the angel of death, and Oscar would pass away at 17 years old and predicted over 100 deaths. Wow. That's impressive. Animals know. Yeah, animals know. They just know. They just do. And those were the only people that he would go to. Otherwise, he would stay hidden. Yeah. So do you think he was offering comfort? Like, what do you think his motivation would have been? So I saw pictures of the cat. Yeah. And being on patients' beds, and he would curl right up next to them on their legs, like curl up right next to him. So I don't know. I would think so because I yeah. think, and in this article, they did say a lot of these people, you know, they have Alzheimer's or whatever. And that's why they brought in these cats because they thought that this would give them comfort. Mm-hmm. Right. But a lot of these people don't have uh, family that were coming. And, mm-hmm. and if they did, they wouldn't really remember them by that point. Yeah. Right. And so this cat was like a comfort to them so they as they were alone. passing. So they weren't alone. Aww. So, but could you imagine if you were like awake and this cat jumps on your bed and curls up and you're like, uh, I'm not Angel ready. Death, <laughs> I'm not ready. I just got here. Nurse. <laughs> uh, but that is a really good story. Yeah. I thought wow. that was way cool. You know, I, I got a, I got a funny story along those lines. Right. So, uh, this pastor was telling a story and he's the head pastor of one of the big mega churches. And so there's like eight other junior pastors underneath him. Right. And there was a man who was sick in the hospital and it just so happened that the head pastor happened to be in the hospital taking care of some other business. And he's like, Oh, Hey, you know, one of my prisoners here, I'll go visit him. Right. So he walks into the room and the guy's like, I must be worse off than I thought. Oh no. <laughs> like, they sent you. Oh no. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's, that's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, but a lot of like these people that are dying and seeing their loved ones and stuff, but you know, we also know that when it's like brought on by morphine too, like my dad, for instance, um, and this was years before he was dying, of course. Um, but he was losing his left leg. And so he was on morphine for pain. Oh, I would hope so. For an extended period of time. Now, yeah. anybody who knows morphine or knows if you're on it for an extended period of time, you can start to hallucinate, right? Yeah. And I wasn't there when this happened, but I, I hear like my sisters and my stepmom talk about it. And, you know, we, we laugh. And But at one point he looked down at his toes and he, he said he had bubbles coming out of his toes. <laughs> And it's like, oh, yeah, that's the morphine talking, but it was funny. He was talking about getting his, his toes done and how there's bubbles coming out of them. <laughs> you should be like, well, blow them. Blow, yeah. blow the bubbles. Blow the bubbles. Yeah, blow the bubbles. <laughs> so it was it was funny. But And my granddad, you know, one of his hospital stays, he was, I think he was on morphine. 
And, and I don't know, he has some memory issues, but he was talking about, like my mom was there visiting him and he was saying something about how she had to go down and pay the hotel bill before they could check out. <laughs> and he had to get home to, cause he had show dogs. <laughs> <laughs> now my granddad's never had show dogs. He, so. he, and he's not one to have pets no he's had animals he's had horses and you know dogs here and there there were always outside dogs but, but these the, oh no these were pedigree show dogs hey well maybe this was like a dream of right? his or something yeah. you never know i doubt it knowing <laughs> yeah. my grandpa but you never know it was yeah. a secret dream but so i mean it's it's those things that kind of you know a little bit of humor and yeah you know, but definitely brought on by drugs. <laughs> definitely. Definitely brought on by drugs. So. So we just want to say thank you, everybody, for hanging out and uh, listening with us this on this, actually, honestly, a fun episode. This was fun. I, I love the twist of it. And it just kind of makes it more of a, a happier side. Yeah. Or peaceful side of, of ghosts. It doesn't have yeah. to be so scary. It does nope. not have to be so scary. And it's not always scary. No, it's not. No. So. We just want to say thank you all for listening. We hope you have a uh, a wonderful a wonderful day and rest of your of your rest of wow and a Smooth. rest of your week. <laughs> thank you very much. I'll be here all week. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> but we just want to say uh, again, thank you for listening. Please uh, subscribe. Please uh, leave us uh, comments and and ratings. It does help us out a lot. Yeah. And if you have any ghost stories, share them with us. Please. Yeah. Please share. And as always, stay ghosty, my peeps. Everybody but me was able to procast... procast holy cow. Speak hard. <laughs> <laughs> Words are tough. Mm. Full, er, I look like crying. Sorry. Let me start off. Um, I'm having a tough time. I I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> a little too hocked up on caffeine. That's why you shouldn't have drank that whole thing. She's like, I chugged it. I'm like, well, if I were to do that, I'd be like this. Now here she is. <laughs> uh, why is this so blurry? <laughs> <laughs> I can only see it with my one eye. Well, that's true. I can't only see it with my one And it's my bad eye. <laughs> it's my blind eye, but I can see. <laughs> oh, that would be a miracle, I'll tell you. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> We're going to have a hard time now. Thanks a lot, Josh. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Peeps Podcast. You can find us on social media at Twitter at CPR Paranormal, on Facebook at Paranormal Peeps Podcast, and Cold Spot Paranormal Research. And you can find us on Instagram at Cold Spot underscore Paranormal underscore Research.